What's up everybody, Keith here with the Arnies. We are back this week talking The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 8. I'm joined here with my old pals, Matthew Johnson and Austin Terry. But before we go any further, you may have noticed this is not your normal main episode of the Arnies. Nope. Matthew, tell them who we are and what we're doing. Well, thank God, because it's the last time I have to say for a while, we are the Mandos talking the Lorian. And I did thank you the other day. Why didn't I just make it the Mandos talking the Mandalorian? And I don't know. I really don't know. Something I wish I would have thought of earlier because I don't feel like an idiot saying that. Anyway, I'm happy to be here. It's obviously a big episode breaking down the finale. Lots to talk about. Lots to speculate on. Austin, got to bring you in as well. How are you doing? Well, all I got to say is, thank Farrick. I'm so happy to be here. Ah, son of a mud scrapper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing great. We're here for the finale. And of course, that means it is the finale of our Star Wars characters. So I thought today there's just no better way to round out our characters than selecting our lightsaber colors. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we know Keith is red because he's a Sith. I think I'll go with... Green. I'll do orange. <laughs> Where's the orange lightsabers at? We need more of them. I think we're Plo losing out. Plo Koon is Plo the Koon, only one. You're right. How could I forget yeah. Master Plo Koon? Um, but yes, I think I'm going to go orange for now, but that could change on a dime at any point. We'll see. Austin, how about you? I think in honor of my Among Us color, I'm going to be cyan for my lightsaber. Oh, that's really annoying, actually, because everybody else's is blue, so yours is just slightly off. <laughs> well, just like my force power, I'm keeping my shoelaces slightly tighter than normal. So why not be a slightly lighter color of blue? That actually kind of fits in with mine as well. The force power I chose was to have such a strong force push ability that I could basically just constantly point at the ground and propel myself to fly. And as we recall, Master Plo Koon of the orange lightsaber died while in flight during Order 66. <laughs> so maybe, <laughs> actually not maybe, hopefully I will meet the same fate. Before we get into the episode, since I was missing last week... Keith, if you, had, if you had to sum up your thoughts in one sentence on episode seven, what would you say? I would say that it was good. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, Austin, let everybody know what were your... I guess just what are your thoughts on season two up to this point now that we're at the finale? One last time, we'll do non-spoilers, so just let everybody know now that we've seen the whole season... What are your general thoughts? Yeah, season two really turned out to be just a really like fun thrill for me. Um, I think after like a sluggish premiere, it, it took me a sec to get on board. But once the season got rolling, I found myself really, really enjoying and looking forward to it every week. I think the season has some truly special moments for like the Star Wars franchise as a whole. Um, it introduced some exciting new characters and it developed into a, a really fun story and exciting story as well. In terms of the finale, though, it was great. Um, I think you could say this was a bit of a heist episode. The action was top-notch, and I really enjoyed the team that we assembled to take on Gideon's uh, light cruiser. I would also say this episode and season uh, culminated with a very intriguing cameo that I'm curious to see how it impacts the rest of the show as a whole going forward. I also think we now have a little bit of a roadmap for season three. I wish there was another episode next week because I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah, I'm pretty much on board with that. I really loved this season. Um, there was not an episode that I didn't like in the bunch. I kind of got over that whole thing from season one where I just didn't like how nothing really felt like... I mean, there was just no payoff until the finale, and I don't like when shows do that. I mean, you have to be giving us constant, like, 
just there needs to be some kind of a roadmap and it's fine to do side quests, but there has to be a purpose. And that's what season two nailed. Even whenever there's not something going on that's directly advancing the story they've set up, it's always cool. It's always hinting at what's to come. And it's always in the background. There's always something that is teasing the larger story. So that's they figured out the balance this season, which is what I loved about it. And yeah, the finale certainly wasn't one of my favorite episodes of the season, but kind of like Austin said, I still had a blast with it. I still really enjoyed it. There were some amazingly high moments, and I think more than any of that, I'm just very curious how the show will continue. Like, what's going to happen? What's season three looking like? What's the future? So we'll see, but very much would recommend this season. Keith, what about you? Give us your kind of quick thoughts on season two, and then how do you feel about the finale? I stand by from what I've said before about season two and the fact that the side stories, you know, as long as they're doing something cool with them, then I don't mind them putting them in there. I think my only, the only episode that I really didn't care for too much was the second episode with the spiders. Just really didn't get too much out of that episode. As far as the finale, uh, I'm kind of with you, Matthew. Not my, my top episode out of the season, but still a good one. And we definitely got some crazy surprise, you know, um, that we'll get into later. Well, Keith. Should we throw up a spoiler warning so we can get into it? If you have not watched Season 2, Episode 8 of The Mandalorian yet, please go watch it now before you go any further uh, listening to this episode. Yeah, give us a pause, go check out the finale, and then come on back and we'll be here waiting for you. Yeah, so let's jump right in here. Um, so episode eight was called The Rescue. Uh, it's directed by Peyton Reed and written by John Favreau. Uh, the cast, starring Pedro Pascal, of course, as the Mandalorian. We got Gina Carano back as Cara Dune. Tamaru Morrison as Boba Fett. Ming-Na Wen as Finnick. Uh, Katie Sackoff as Bo-Katan. Sasha Banks as Koska Reeves. And... Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon. And... Spoiler! Spoiler! <laughs> yes. Last <laughs> chance! Last chance! All right, go ahead. We got Mr. Mark Hamill as the voice of Luke Skywalker. And Max Lloyd-Jones. Doing his best uh, Luke Skywalker impersonation. How it, how does Mark Hamill make his voice sound that... I mean, it's pretty... It's impressive to me. I know he's obviously a voice actor, but it is... Whenever the yeah. credits came up and I was like, is that actually Mark Hamill? Like, he sounds back when he was like, I gotta go into town and get some power converters. Like, I don't know how he does it. He's honestly doing what he does best in this episode. He's voice acting. He doesn't have to act for That's real true. on set. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone else did it. And then, of course, you know, they had the animators and the CG team kind of do the rest to make the, the face that we saw. So. Yeah. But yeah, crazy. I mean, obviously, once I think we get further into our discussion, we can talk about, you know, the payoff, of course, who he reached out to on Tython ended up being Luke. So we'll get into that. But certainly crazy to look at just the cast list of a Mandalorian episode and see Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker on there. It's pretty crazy. Um, and then the only other thing to mention here, just because it's actually a good segue from what Keith mentioned, I was really disappointed when they... um. I guess it would have been sometime yesterday because usually they keep this stuff pretty under wraps for the most part. But I think they did officially announce within the last couple of days that Peyton Reed was directing the finale. And I was so disappointed because, you know, we did a, we did a overrated movies episode recently and I kind of gave my thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy, which 
It's not my favorite MCU movie. My other least favorite MCU movies are the Ant-Man movies, which he's probably what he's most known for directing. Not a fan. I think he's really bland when it comes to directing. And he also, Keith, he directed the Spiders episode. He directed this season. He directed the second episode of this season, which is I still liked it, but it was my least favorite. So whenever they announced it, I was like, really? I mean, not even like John Favreau's going to write and direct, like not Dave Filoni's not coming back anybody else. But you know what? I kind of liked it. Wasn't great, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't think it's. It's certainly not the high point of the season, but I mean, I think this one's good though. I enjoyed the finale. Mm-hmm. Me too. Matt, why don't you go ahead and just give us your little elevator pitch for the plot today? Well, I'll do even better. I'll just do the abridged version of the Wikipedia plot. How does that sound? <laughs> All right. So just as a reminder, if you're listening to this later, or you just need a quick refresher before we get into our roundtable discussion. Here's what went down in the finale. So. First of all, right off the bat, pretty shocking. I didn't expect this. Bo-Katan is back, and her fellow Mandalorian, Koska Reeves, although not the other guy that they, like, worked with seemingly equally in the other episode, just, he's gone. Anyway, Bo-Katan and her fellow Mandalorian, Koska Reeves, agree to help rescue Grogu in exchange for Bo-Katan getting the Darksaber from Gideon and our Mando considering her offer to help them liberate the planet Mandalore. The group kidnaps Dr. Pershing and uses his shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser, all the while Boba Fett is attacking the incoming TIE fighters. The crew then fights through stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge, but to their surprise, they do not find Gideon waiting for them. Meanwhile, Mando is just out to find Grogu, and of course, in the process, runs into the dark troopers. After a pretty brutal fight, he is able to defeat one of them using his Beskar spear, and luckily, he's able to eject the rest of them into space. So eventually he finds and then defeats Gideon, which unknowingly makes him the new rightful owner of the Darksaber, much to Bo-Katan's chagrin. So then the Dark Troopers are able to return, but they are all destroyed. Every single one by the one, the only Luke Skywalker, who of course turns out to be the Jedi that Grogu had contacted on Tython. The Mandalorian gives his permission to Grogu to go with Skywalker in order to complete his training. After that, we get a kind of post-credit sequence where we see Boba Fett and Fennec Shan travel back to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, where Fett kills Bib Fortuna, and he and Fennec essentially sit and lay claim to Jabba's throne. Let's go ahead and jump into the discussion. Who wants to take it away? Like Keith kind of mentioned, we really just get right into the thick of things here. So the intro to this is essentially we're just in the middle of the action. We're already with Dr. Pershing, which surprised me. So I was just curious with you guys, like... Thinking about everything that happened before getting on the light cruiser, we have chasing down the doctor and then Bo-Katan's reintroduction and all that. How'd you guys feel about the intro? Because for me, it felt, I don't know if Rush is the right word, it just felt a bit odd. And also there was some really weird, like some of the worst acting in the series so far from the uh, the pilots here. And then also just, I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the fact that they've been able to do so much practical in this season. And then here it's like, I mean, they're in space, so there's lots of fighting and like, they had to rely on a lot of uh, visual effects. And I guess for me, it was the first time I was like, these ships don't look very good. And like, ooh, some of these blasters and all that doesn't look very good. There's a moment where Boba Fett fires, like, um some some ion cannon or whatever to electrocute them. And, like, the the lightning is just, like, comical. Like, so the, the intro as a whole for me was a bit weak. I was curious what you guys thought about all, everything before the light cruiser stuff. I thought it was an effective opening. It could just kind of right into the plot. I just the thing I found the weirdest of this was it's just weird how the doctor is immediately like, okay, I'll help you. Here's all the plans to the ship. You know, like it 
I, yeah. If you're an imperial doctor, it seems like at that stage in your career, you might be a little bit more bought in and try to resist a little bit more. So, yeah, because to that point, there's a difference between begrudgingly helping somebody and then actually seeming like you want to help. It seems like he's like jumping at the opportunity. Yeah, because it seemed if he didn't want to help, he should have been giving them the bare minimum of information. It seemed like they're, I mean, because they don't know. He probably could have gotten by by being pretty vague or just like, oh, he he should be in this area. So, but he was just like, he wanted to contribute. So it, it, I didn't remember a lot about Dr. Pershing from season one. He, you're, you're right, he is an imperial, but clearly more, I guess, being a doctor is his goal. So, I didn't know if there was any, like, nobleness to what was happening here. I was very unsure. But either way, it's like, I shouldn't have to be, like, digging that deep to remember. So I agree. It was weird that he, like, was like, ooh, oh, I'll speak up here. Here's where he is. Here's everything you need to know. So it was kind of odd. Well, and he doesn't he doesn't even seem that noble because he's so proud of his dark troopers. He's like, yeah. oh, yes, I fixed the equation. I removed the human element. So he's clearly proud of his work. So it's not like he's <laughs> like has, like, an alt- yeah, that's altruistic, true. like, motive or anything like that. Yeah, maybe he's more of, like, an independent contractor kind of dude. Like, he maybe he's working for the em- Empire. But he doesn't really, you know, he's not faithful to him, I guess. Is this also the the first time that they've confirmed he's a clone engineer? I think they said that in season one, because I think there was parts where it, it was clearly referencing like Camino stuff and all that. So it was like, oh, there must be some type of connection. So clearly he does stuff with clones. And I guess we did know that because because we saw Dr. Pershing in that episode with um where they break into that base and they find out kind of like, what they're trying to use Grogu's blood for is they're harvesting it in order to create these clones, not of Grogu, but just they have this like model of clone that they're trying to manufacture something, which we still don't really know anything about. So yeah, so clearly cloning, they're doing something with. And the other thing that stood out to me in the intro is we go recruit Bo-Katan, which was cool, but then it just felt weird to me that we didn't go try and get Ahsoka's help. Like, I, get, I got why, obviously, as the episode kept going, because we already had another Jedi on the way. But it just felt weird that we go get our first, like, kind of counterpart that we met this season, but then we don't even try to get the, like, the more powerful person that could help us, which would be Ahsoka. Didn't they kind of say, though, that that was over for her? Well, she said she can't train him, but you would think if Mando went back to her and was like, hey, the dark side has the kid, like, you think Ahsoka would be like, oh, fuck, well, I gotta come help now, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. I mean, like I like I mentioned at the top, I was just surprised they even felt the need to recruit Bo-Katan at all. Like, it seemed like whenever they let Bill Burr go at the end of the last episode, it was like, okay, we have our team. It's just us. So now let's go. We know where to go. But then just randomly at the beginning, oh, we need Bo-Katan and one of her Mandalorian friends, not the other guy. Um, So cool. And then, of course, we find out later on, this only happens so that there can be conflict at the end where... He is like, here you go, Bo-Katan, here's the Darksaber. And she's like, I can't take that. And then the whole, like, Giancarlo Esposito with blood in his mouth laughing maniacally, like, you have to win it. So that's the only reason Bo-Katan was here. And it, it didn't feel, um, it didn't feel smooth for me. It, it kind of felt, like, noticeable. Like, oh, that's why they're here. Because why do you let Mayfield go at the end? Because he clearly would have helped Especially since you had like a hold over him, you could have made him help and he would have. So it was just odd that like the last episode ends like, hey, get out of here, pal. And this one starts like, fuck, we need your help <laughs> with like another group. But that being said, oh, dude, just the shot off to the side and just seeing Mando's helmet and then just slightly to the like in front is Boba Fett. They're just like with each other. I was like, that's cool. And I love the Boba Fett, Bo-Katan um, 
interaction, which then led to the cool little fight between him and uh, Koska Reeves. I was like, this is cool. And I loved Bo-Katan like like he's describing this is my father's armor. She's like, you're not a Mandalorian. I've heard your voice a thousand times. And then he's like, that was awesome. And, and he's like, yeah, that was and cool. it's going to be your last. <laughs> I was like, Ooh. that was badass. That was pretty cool. So you did mention the dark saber there, Matt. We do learn a little bit more about it in this episode. We learned that just like a lightsaber can cut through anything except for Baskar armor. Um, we also learned that whoever uh, has it or wields it has a, has a rightful claim to the Mandalore throne. And we also learned that in order to wield it, you have to win it in combat, which is kind of the trick that Moff Gideon pulls on Mando where he makes him fight and, and claim, the, claim the saber in combat and then he goes and shows it to Bo-Katan and, he can't, and she can't take it. So what do you think this means for their relationship? Well, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to kill him, though, right? It doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but they made it out to be this huge thing now. Yeah, it was weird. Again, another thing that didn't feel super smooth, because at the beginning of the episode, it's like she, Bogotan, says something about, like, I'm going to kill him. He's mine. And then someone says, he, I think Cara Dune is like, oh, no, he's like, he could be potentially the biggest advantage to the New Republic in terms of information. You cannot kill him. And then, and then she was like, OK, that's fine, but I'm going to make him surrender to me. And again, it's one of those things, it's like, okay, cool, but then we get to the end and we see how stuff plays out, and it's like, I mean, we, again, Austin, it's kind of the end of the last episode, we talked about, why the hell did Mando send a message saying, I'm coming for I you, Gideon? I was thinking that exact same thing. Because now, why would Moff Gideon stay on the bridge of the ship, where you're sending everybody except our Mando? So why is Bogotan, oh shit, and then, like, why is she mad that, like, Armando just defended himself so it's it's one of those weird things and it's like if this was such if this was the most important thing in the world to you tell him hey not only does he have to surrender to me I have to do it because I need to be able to to take back Mandalore like I've talked to you about a bunch of times now throughout the season I need to either kill him or make him surrender to me so I can so I people will respect me and it just was like I just won't tell him I'll just hope it works out. It's like, oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> I hated that. I do love the line, though, where Mandel's like, fine, I yield. Here, take it. Like, he just yeah. he does not give a he shit at all yeah. about this. <laughs> no, he doesn't care at all, as he should. But also, to your point, Matt, like, I was thinking about the message, too, because it seems so weird that their plan is, like, we're going to sneak aboard. But, of course, we just saw Moff Gideon get this message from Mando, so he's now on high alert. So when they are trying to sneak aboard on the cruiser, he immediately sends out all the TIE fighters because he's like, I'm not – of course this is a trap. Like, it, se- it just seems so weird. Yeah, it was it was extremely bizarre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not get that. That being said, though, I mean, again, we can also praise the choice because now, like Austin said, I think there's going to be some really cool – not only tension, but it's like how is – how do Bo-Katan and Mando resolve this? And now, like, you know, at the beginning, she was like, not only do I need the Darksaber, but I want, if I'm going to do this, I want you to cons- actually consider helping us retake Mandalore. And it's like, now, if he's going to have to, like, begrudgingly be the owner of this thing, he has no choice. So that could lead to a pretty interesting season three where that, like Austin has said, that is probably going to be the focus, the whole retaking Mandalore. Now he has no option if he's not going to somehow <laughs> let Bo-Katan kill him. Presumably now he has to be kind of like the one in charge of leading this uh, retaking of Mandalore. So, and then how does Bo-Katan feel about that? So lots of interesting stuff could come from this weird decision. Yeah, and it's clearly been a conscious choice to give us all this information on planet Mandalore and, and all this backstory. So it seems like we are definitely going to see that in season three. Yeah. So what do you guys want for that? Do you want that to be like kind of the main plot or do you want that to be more of a side story? That's a, that's a pretty big question, especially 
as we move forward in this episode when Luke comes in, because, I mean, this entire show for two full seasons now has been, you know, Mando and Grogu, Mando and the kid. So it's like, I kind of feel like the Mandalore stuff should be the main plot. I guess, yeah, I don't know, because I don't know how the kid features into it. Is this kind of, I just have no, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, I really don't, because I don't know... If that's just not going to be as much of a thing anymore, how long will the kid be training? Will we ever see them together again? And if not, then you have to assume the main plot is going to be the Mandalore stuff. And if it is, then what are the B-plots in between those episodes? You would imagine they would just try and do that. Like, what do they need to do in the meantime? So I'm not, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I just, I can honestly say I have no clue how this, it's not even like, do you, how do you think this little bit will pay off in season three? I don't even know how this show works anymore in season three because it's been the kid Amanda the whole time, like I said. So how does that work? Does the training not take? Like, I don't know. Who I don't know. <laughs> what do you guys think? Oh, you think he might come back? Well, I mean, think about Luke's reaction to fucking Ben Solo uh, communicating with the dark side. I mean, we've already seen some of that same stuff with Grogu. So maybe it's just... Maybe that he'll refuse to train him as well, like Ahsoka. I, I, maybe that's as simple as it is. But then again, it's like, is that going to be satisfying? Like, I don't know. Well, do you think um, Grogu being with Luke is going to lead to, like, the creation of Luke's school being, like, a side story in, in next season's, like, series? I mean, that that could be a good introduction to his school, but I just I hope that's not part of the series, though. Yeah, this is the Mandalorian. I want, if they want to do that in another show, cool. I don't want it in this one. Yeah. But to your point, Austin, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how they do it otherwise. But yeah, what were you saying, Keith? I was going to say, is, but as far as the Mandalore planet goes, I mean, they mentioned that it was glassy or something like that, as if it had been attacked. I, I'm still trying to get the backstory of the Mandalore planet. I don't now. think it was glassy. I think it was just a throwaway line. He was like, they turned that into like glass or something like that. Oh, okay. I thought it was like, like actually, the empire like... caused so much destruction there. It's not even worth taking back. Oh, okay. So I took that literally as if like they yeah. had well, we shot it yeah. with some Death, Death Star like thing or something. Right. I don't know. Um, right. But who knows? I don't know. That'd be cool. I think the whole Mandalore thing might be a side story, but I hope there's some something else that comes up. I think it'll be an interesting arc to open season three with. I don't know if I want a full season of that, but I think like two to three episodes could be really cool. And the thing is, a big part of our current story has been the Moff Gideon stuff and this cloning thing, which as he says, like I got what I needed from the kid. I have his blood. I have everything I need. So technically with him being alive, that story isn't done, but I don't know how they forward it with him, I guess, being captured. Like, who knows? So there, there's so many storylines up in the air. We don't know how they're going to play into each other. And Austin, it's made all the more confusing by the fact that they've announced the Ahsoka spinoff show, the Rangers of the New Republic show. And I believe they were saying that those two shows and Mando are going to move forward separately, but they can occasionally cross over. So then it's like, where do you put some of these stories? Do they go on that show? And then the post credit scene, which we have to talk about because I'm still confused about the book of Boba Fett. Pretty... To me, it seemed like they were clearly setting up, you know, the whole spinoff. So is there a fourth show in the mix? Like there's we went from one show to four. So I don't know where all these <laughs> the Mandoverse. Go. We've got the Mandoverse now. To your point, though, I think pretty clearly the Mandalore stuff for a show called The Mandalorian. Where else do you put it? It's got to be in there. I would probably lean towards maybe it's the main plot, because if he can't be with Grogu for a while, you would think that he might as well just stay with people he's familiar with at this point that's why i'm thinking it's like a mini arc it's because we have we have two or three episodes where grogu is absent doing his training and then they find a way for grogu to be back with him 
Yeah, because I still want to see him independent. I want to see that too, but I don't want to see like sulking Mando. Like, oh, I miss Grogu. It's going like, to be that for that at, at least all. one episode. So. I mean, I, I would assume that <laughs> I would assume the season three premiere will be that. But again, I mean, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we get like maybe one episode that kind of ties those things together where maybe they do set up the maybe Grogu is Luke's first apprentice, I guess, perhaps. I guess we but we also know that Leia was a factor. I don't know if Leia was technically Luke's apprentice, though, based on Rise of Skywalker flashback. So Grogu seemingly would be a bit more that would make more sense. But again, how long does that last? Is the training complete? Where the hell was Grogu during Last Jedi? Because we're not crazy far off from that, especially factoring in how many years Ben Solo was training for before the events of those movies. So it's like, how does that play in? So I would I would have to imagine there's gonna be like one episode where they try and maybe connect some of the dots to the sequel trilogy. The uh, the only other thing I'll shout out, because I, I think it's worth mentioning before we move on, is I did appreciate that in this kind of sequence of events of them clearing out the cruiser, that all four of the main characters doing like the heavy lifting were all chicks. I thought that was pretty cool. And I also like that it didn't really feel forced. You know what I mean? Like they were just, they've always been badass soldiers in the show and now they're just kind of doing their job here. Oh yeah, it was awesome. It was great. I thought it was really fun. I like the choreography and it just looks so cool seeing, um, I guess I mean I'll just call them Mandalorians, just in live action. I like I like Boke Tan. I just like their armor better. They're just more fun and like vibrant to look at. And like there was some like such cool choreography where they're on that little skinny walkway and Fennec and Cara Dune like her guns jams like shit we're fucked and then just the other Mandos like fly up from like above and just take them all out. So yeah. tons of awesome they action. In this it episode. was awesome. Yeah, it was it was great to watch. I love Cara Dune's gun too. Why don't they equip all of the New Republic soldiers with those weapons? Yeah, where did that come from? Has she always yeah, right? had that? I couldn't even remember. She had it in the first season. Okay, okay. Yeah, that was really what, cool. And what about her getting pissed off that it got jammed? She kept like yeah, that was... cursing, but Star Wars cursing. I know, yeah, yeah but then she uses Dang it as a, as a melee weapon, which was awesome too. So yeah. she, she made it work. She made it work, thank God. She's a tough girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the Dark Troopers real quick. I thought these guys looked pretty badass and actually kind of scary in a oh, way. Oh, really? I think they're yeah. so lame. Really? Yeah, oh, I don't find them interesting at all. I would have rather just had the little... Uh, gray droids from uh, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> they basically do the same thing. And also, I'm glad you brought this up, Keith. Is Skrillex writing the theme song for these Dark Troopers? It was it's like awesome. a dubstep remix. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I loved but it. But it was cool. I yeah. loved it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm in the middle. I, I don't like... I mean, I thought they look. I, I like their design. Um, I think they're. I don't think they're the best thing ever, but I did love like the fight we got, and I and it was just brilliant setup in terms of stakes, where it's like he's trying to close the story. He's like, "Shit, they're about to get out. One escapes, only one." We see this entire room filled with them behind him, and then he's just fighting one on one, and he barely survives. And it's just like, "Oh my god, if even one more gets out, we're fucked." So, and then he's able to eject them, and of course, what happens later, and how easy Luke just kills them all is like. That was perfectly set up, in my opinion. So I, I like the Dark Trooper usage in this episode. The fight was cool. I just find them as like a threat kind of lame. Yeah. Well, I thought it was cool whenever they, they get sucked out of the ship. And then like later on, they just they're all back. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of how, how strong they are. Yeah. Did you like the little uh, homage to Rock'em Sock'em robots when they're punching the door? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> the punches were funny. You just kept like, it was like <laughs> kind of slow motion. It was like, it would go back and then. I'm doing that against Mando's helmet as well. <laughs> yeah, so this brings us into Luke Skywalker because he's the one who destroys the Dark Troopers. So Luke Skywalker is back. Obviously, this is the big thing to talk about with this episode. We've talked a lot in the build up to this episode about 
who was going to show up, which Jedi would be, and all that. This seemed to be the most obvious, and I remember, you know, when we were predicting it, we were thinking either him or Leia. Austin, are you disappointed that it wasn't Leia? I am disappointed, but I'm choosing to be happy. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's so (laughs) kind of you for the holidays. (laughs) (laughs) I'm listening to all the Christmas music. Um, No, I mean, I I was underwhelmed, I guess I'd say, by it, just because Luke Skywalker is such a big part of this franchise. I felt like they really had an opportunity to do something different, especially with this being live action. Uh, with all that being said, though, the choreography of everything he does is so cool. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about it, like, kind of while this was happening. I just, the only thing I could really think is, like, it's so cool that this show exists and that, like, we can have this moment just on a random sideshow for Star Wars. Like, we don't have to wait to see a big Star Wars million dollar movie and screen to see Jedi's. We can see it in the show. So I was really happy about that. Yeah. And I know for Austin, I, this must, I mean, this was so cool for me, obviously, Luke Skywalker. Talk about nostalgia and just a character that's been a part of your life for so long. So it was awesome. But Austin, I feel like for you especially, because Rogue One, you're very high on it. I know out of the three of us, you're the highest. And one of my favorite parts of Rogue One is that they, since it was a modern movie, even though it was a prequel, we got to see Darth Vader move how we how we always like pictured him moving. You know what I mean? Um, even watching the old movies. So this was really cool. I mean, this is the first time we're kind of seeing Luke move the way we want because Last Jedi, he has the Kylo fight, but this is, he's actually like, you know, making physical contact and doing a lot of stuff. So it, it was it was pretty cool in that way because it's not like, you know, the slow moving from the original trilogy. That's what I was going to say too. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that Rogue One scene with, with Darth Vader, you know, his lightsaber just lights up all of a sudden and we, you know, kind of reminded us of a horror movie. Yeah. This one kind of brought that back for me except... Obviously, it's Luke, so it's a good guy. I loved his use of the force where he crushes that joint oh, yeah. in on himself. That <laughs> yeah. was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. No, there was, that was awesome. amazing moments. I thought it was a really cool moment for him, too, because like Matt said, we did just have this this really cool fight between Mando and the Dark Trooper where Mando gets his ass kicked and it yeah. takes everything he can to beat him. And then Luke just breezes through these guys. So I thought it did a really good job of illustrating just how strong the Jedi are in this universe. And it was so cool to see the lone X-Wing show up. And it was like, immediately, it was yeah. like, okay, it's Luke. And then as he walks out and he's in all black, and then you notice one hand has a glove, the other doesn't. It's like, okay, it's definitely Luke. It's a green lightsaber. But it's weird because like Austin I don't know said, why. When I saw that X-Wing, I thought it was Ahsoka. Like I literally have in my notes, Ahsoka's here and mm-hmm. then dash, never mind, green lightsaber. So right, the right. green lightsaber moment was cool because that's when I was like, oh, okay, it's Luke. Just it worked for me. I kind of like Austin said, it was certainly without a doubt the most obvious choice. I don't blame them because again- you don't have a lot of choices in this period of Star Wars in terms of who's alive. So if you're not going to do a Force ghost, you have just a couple options in terms of who can show up. But they made it not disappointing with just how they did the choreography, how the action looked, and it was worth it. So I, I, it worked for me until we get to the actual reveal. As you guys know, I think I, I just with some CG stuff, I just don't think we're anywhere near people want to be in terms of like de-aging and that kind of stuff because the Luke thing looked amazing for me whenever he pulled off his hood I was like oh my god like that's amazing and then as it went on it's just one of those things it's so hard to make lips move yeah the way lips move the way real people talk you can't do and like putting teeth in there and it's just like yeah it's whenever they start talking that's when it gets ruined because you can't animate a mouth like a real person talks so it's just it's tough the sinking was off too his, yeah. his lips stopped moving before mark hamill got done speaking yeah it, it was a bit egregious but again it's like it, for me who like just laughed out loud during when we were watching justice league and talking about that 
I, I still enjoyed it. I mean, yes, as the scene went on, though, I was like, wow, okay, yeah, that doesn't look so good. But I didn't care. I, I expected it to, which helped. I, I expected a CG de-aged Mark Hamill. That's kind of always what I was assuming what would happen. Um, but it wasn't disappointing just from the buildup to it. And then how the scene played out. The dialogue was good. The performance was good. Could it have looked better? Ideally, I didn't care because it was still so fun. Did he have nothing to say about Gideon? He just shows up, takes the kid, and leaves. Like, you would think he would want to take Gideon back to the New Republic as well. I, I kind of assume Cara Dune's going to do that. But he doesn't know Cara Dune. All he sees is just, like, six random people who, for all he knows, could just be stealing a, a cruiser. Yeah, but at this point, Luke is presumably doing his own thing. Obviously, the Republic knew who, the old Republic, if you want to call it that, knew who he was. But this new thing, I mean, I don't think he has the same jurisdiction in terms of, I'll take him. I think Cara Dune as someone that's actually, like, a sheriff, I guess, would have that right. But again, we didn't get a conversation and we don't, I guess to that point, Austin, maybe it highlights that Luke doesn't know who Gideon is or what they're doing. So maybe that's the more interesting aspect. Yeah. It's still pretty clear. It's an Imperial cruiser though. Like he's seen enough of those to go. Yeah. That oh, was, that is odd that you mention it. Yeah. He's only there for the kid. Yeah. I was going to say, keep in mind, remember this takes place right after Return of Jedi when they just defeated the Empire. So all the reason he should be more concerned that there's an Empire an Empire cruiser with all these brand new troopers he's never seen before on it. No, I'm with you on that. I'm just saying maybe like in his mind, he's, you know, kind of just thinks it's just like remainder yeah. of the people just kind of still left out there in the galaxy. So he doesn't really care. And, he, and he's not quite aware of the whole First Order thing building up yet. Right. And to that point, it would have been really, really awkward based on how the moment played out. It's like, you have to focus on Mando saying bye to Grogu. But in the reality of the situation, it probably would have made more sense if Mando was like, oh, hey, man, before you go, just FYI, I've been hearing multiple times now that they're harvesting his blood and they're doing stuff with it. As someone that's also one with the Force, do you think that sounds kind of scary? Like, that would have been a bit more, like, realistic that he warns him that, hey, he's taking Force-sensitive blood and doing fucked up shit with it. Instead, he just, like, goes in the elevator and credits roll, written by John Favreau. <laughs> See, that's a, uh, that's a dialogue choice in a video game where they say, how much information do you want to give Luke Skywalker right. if you're playing as, as the Mandalorian? Yeah, meanwhile, Pedro Pascal has to, like, take off his helmet and cry on camera instead. So I get why they do it, but it's just, you know. <laughs> Especially if the, if the cloning thing has anything to do with the creation of Snoke, too. I still I mean, think so. For I still think it might. So we'll <laughs> oh, see. Oh, God, I hope not. Why? That'd be a cool intro. <laughs> I, I don't want... I want to see the creation of the First Order, but I don't want that much tie-in from this show That's to fair. the movies. That's fair. I gotcha. That's fair. Also, uh, bringing it back up, I do wonder if we'll get... Wh whether it's the Ahsoka show or Ahsoka like doing like a cameo or just like, a guest role in... Um, in Mandalorian season three. And like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm curious if Ahsoka is the one that will eventually give Luke, like if they'll share the screen together, like is she the one that's going to like let him in on all of the prequel events that he knows about in the last Jedi. I just kind of want to see them on a, on screen together since she was Anakin's apprentice. I think that could be kind of cool. Anyway, I think that'd be so cool. Yeah, I would love that. Well, speaking of Mando taking his helmet off, he does do that once again in this episode. It's to say goodbye to Grogu. He lets Grogu kind of see and touch his face. It's a really sweet moment. I really liked it in this episode, and as Matt, you know, I really didn't like the helmet taking off sequence in last week's episode, and that kind of brings me to my point here. I think it would have been more impactful in this week's episode if he hadn't taken it off yet all season. Yeah, I can kind of agree with that, Austin. And yeah, because it wasn't quite as meaningful, yeah, this time, I guess, since we just saw it. It's tough, because I 
Yeah, I was on the opposite side. I really loved a moment last week because it felt like there was just literally no other option. So it's like, okay. And like we talked about as well, in season one, yes, he's taking out his helmet, but it is in front of a droid. So there is like a loophole that still makes him one with his creed or whatever. Whereas in last episode, he's taking it off to save the kid. That's his goal. And he's taking someone off in front of all these other people that can see him. So it's like, oh shit, it's broken. That being said, Austin did bring it up last week. They could have written it so it like wasn't a facial scanner. They could have just done something. And then it would have been more impactful. Yeah, because while I did love the moment last week, I will agree that it was a little bit this week like, okay, I mean, the moment here is great. Probably the best use of it because it's just Grogu, just his little baby hand, just like kind of like brushing against his helmet. Clearly he knows he wants to take it off and touch his actual face and Perfect moment. How sharp do you think those claws are? Do you think they hurt? I think they might surprise us. That's what I would say. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great, but I agree. It's like if he hadn't just taken it off last week, it probably would have been a bit more of a gut punch in a good way. And then he's he's just left standing there. Like everybody, Cara Dune for the first time, who's known him for a while, can see him. Bo-Katan, who they just had that moment earlier in the season, like, oh, fuck you. I don't take off my helmet. That's not what I do. And he's just, he's not even like, the second Luke goes away, he doesn't put it back on. He's just kind of standing there, just a bit aimless. So it was kind of like, it kind of achieved the same moment in a weird way from last week. So yeah, maybe they shouldn't have done it. Well, and that's another reason I think this would have been more impactful is because as every every person that he's in front of in last week's episode where his helmet is off, he doesn't really know any of them. He doesn't even really know Mayfield that well. Mm-hmm. But these are all people that know him really well. So they also, all of them know how much this means to him to take his helmet off in this moment. So that's another reason I think it would have been more impactful. All that being said... This is now two times he's taken his helmet off in front of other people. Do you think we're getting to a point where his helmet is off for more of the show and maybe he only puts it on for combat? Or do you think he still keeps it on for everyday moments? Yeah, it's a really good question. I kind of hope it, it kind of sticks with what it, what it has been doing. You know, when he takes it off, he takes it off when he has to. Because I, I kind of like the fact that it's always on and that's like his thing, you know? Yeah, I like it too. But again, from a story perspective... I am curious how the events of this season with meeting Bogotan the first time with all that helmet business and like just as it's gone on and then with the Mayfeld incident, I'm curious if that will color his whole view on the helmet. And now that Grogu's not around, does he care as much? I don't know. And of course, he's met Boba Fett, of course, who is completely a different thing. So it's like, I don't know. I'm curious in season three if it starts and maybe it's not as big of a deal for him. Like maybe it's just a a combat scenario because it's a Beskar. So maybe he just puts it on for shielding and maybe not. I, I don't know. But yeah, to Keith's point, it would be quite a jump if we've literally in the course of 16 episodes, we've seen him briefly, briefly three times. And then just season three, it's just like always off. So I don't know. I, I don't imagine they'll go that far, but we'll see. So yeah, we've already kind of talked about what our predictions are for next season as far as the whole Mandalore planet thing and all that. But what is our prediction as far as the main conflict, if any, besides the Mandalore planet thing will be. And is Moff Gideon gone now, or is he here to stay and come back and be the main villain again? Well, and I I have a secondary question to pose about Moff Gideon. Now that we've kind of seen the bulk of his arc on this show, you think he's kind of a lame villain? Uh, I like John Culler's episode's performance. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of hoping we do get a a harder-hitting villain. Like a much darker villain. He's kind of a terrible fighter. I like that he's a schemer and he clearly has all these backup plans, like like we saw with the whole the dark saber incident. But in terms of just combat, it's kind of a wimpy fight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was always expecting that though, so I'm fine with that. The big thing we need to find out more, which will color our, I think, our final perspective on him as a villain, is 
what is the end game for the cloning thing? Like, what is he doing? And I know Austin doesn't want it to be, but like, say it does happen to tie into Snoke, and it's like, oh shit, he achieved that? Like, that's kind of crazy. So we just need to know more about what the actual goal is, because as like as we already said, he says in this episode clearly, yeah, take the kid. I don't care. Obviously, he you know didn't stay true to that. But the point was, I have the blood. Basically, I have what I need to do what I want. Um, but now he's been captured, so does he break out? I have no idea if he will play a big role or if he'll just kind of continue to be off to the side. That being said, most characters that aren't Mando or Grogu are relegated to just a couple episodes a season. So I guess he's no different than anybody else in that sense. But, you know, to the actual question, I don't know how he factors in. Like we said, I think Mandalore will be kind of the main thing that goes on in season three. Um, I don't know what the side stuff will be. I have to imagine maybe Grogu returning will be, but I really just don't know. I really don't know. I kind of hope Gideon is not back next season, but I could see if they kind of do like a, a boys season two thing where they bring in a villain who's like, I'm Gideon's boss or something like that. Yeah. Which does he have one? I, maybe I've just not been paying enough attention. Like, does he report directly to someone? If so, we haven't seen it, obviously. I mean, I was going to say possibly this, this would be a, a wild shot here, but Palpatine could be his boss. If, if the cloning thing has to do with, Snoke at all. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, because we know Palpatine was involved in cloning. My whole original theory was, is what um, Gideon is doing the precursor to what Palpatine is doing in terms of cloning? That's what I was always curious about. But that being said, it's like, do they know Palpatine's alive? It's been five, six years since Return of the Jedi, so we just don't know because Rise of Skywalker just dropped it on us that he's been working off in Exegol. So it's hard to say if he does, and obviously that's who he reports to, but you know, to Austin's point, they could always just introduce someone that's like one rank higher that was doing their own thing and now has to be brought in because Gideon failed, maybe? I don't know. Or maybe they tied into the Ahsoka show and it's uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, that would make sense too. It is weird because they did set up Gideon to be such a high-ranking person. So it almost feels like they can't do the boss thing. And they cast fucking Giancarlo Esposito. <laughs> they cast Gus Fring, the guy that's like the main villain in everything. So it's like, who would they cast to play a contemporary to take over? So they, they are kind of in a weird situation with that. Unless they do something crazy and like Mando and Bo-Katan can't resolve the Darksaber thing and she becomes the villain in terms of like, I guess less a villain, more an antagonist, like that she's out to kill Mando to get the Darksaber so she could rule Mandalore. So I don't know. They could do anything. As for the Palpatine thing, though, guys, guys, you, you got to stop putting these ideas out there. You, you got to save Star Wars from themselves. We I'm not doing, doing it. That was Keith. Shit. That was Keith. I don't want Y'all were putting, y'all <laughs> were putting the Force ghost out <laughs> no, there. You I'm were putting not... Luke out there. You like the Force season. ghost I don't need idea. Palpatine. Here's my impression I hated of me the Force saying ghost it should be idea. Force ghost Mace Windu and Yoda last week. Also, I was like, <gasps> no, I said it should be a live Mace Windu. I'm Austin. I said it should be a live Mace Windu rehashing their old conflict with him killing his dad. <laughs> that was, would have been cool. That would have been joking new. about Keith. Last you listened to the episode, I was like, "How funny would it be if a live Mace Windu came back?" And the second he did, Boba Fett just start shooting him, and Austin was like, "Oh, we gotta see that." <laughs> but that would have been cool. That, that would have been something somewhat new. Not fucking Palpatine or the Force Ghost. We do that every two movies. I don't want Palpatine, and I will say, no, I'm not saying we I want Palpatine. Robbed. I'm just saying it could we be. Were I'm not saying I want robbed. it. We should have gotten a live Mace Windu. I will stand by that. That's still what I wanted to see. That's what I want too, man. 
He said Mace Windu would come in holding Django's head and just <laughs> yell at Boba, fuck you, and throw his dad's head at him. That was a joke. Just that, the idea of a, of a Boba-Mace Windu conversation was interesting to me because we hadn't talked about that yet, and I hadn't even thought about that. Well, it's going to be Palpatine. He's going to be the main villain in every single of the 10 Star Wars shows that they've announced um, will be coming out. He's the main villain of Ahsoka. Grand Admiral Thrawn will die in season one, and then he'll be the main villain going forward. Rangers of the New Republic, it's going to be about that fat um, fighter pilot. His main villain is just Palpatine in a in a TIE fighter. That's the guy that he chases through five seasons. Um, it's going to be great. And then for all of the next 10 newbies, they're going to be teasing the arrival of a new, a new Jedi, and then it's just going to be Luke Skywalker again. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. We shouldn't have been surprised, by the way. They're always going to do the predictable thing <laughs> when it comes to Star Wars. That's what I mean. We got to save Star Wars from themselves. Well, as far as the Mando's future goes, y'all think he's going to get a new ship, a new a new Razor Crest like ship? Yeah, it's going to be that ship that Palpatine used in Return of the Jedi, I think. Maybe he gets an old uh, <laughs> ship from the Clone Wars, one of the drop carriers. Or maybe he runs into Han and Chewie and he rides the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yes, Mando was the one using um uh, the Millennium Falcon. He crash landed it on And that's how we get a crossover with the Lando show. Palpatine also the villain of the Lando show I hear. Well, we got to start wrapping it up, but we do have a post-credit scene to talk about. Matt, take it away. Whew. We see Boba Fett and Fennec return to Jabba's palace on Tatooine. They kill Bib Fortuna, who has been just ruling in the process. They kill everybody. And then Boba takes the throne with Fennec by his side. And then, as it ends, they drop the title, The Book of Boba Fett, coming December 2021. And I didn't expect this. Like we already talked about, I thought Bobo and Fennec would continue to play like a recurring side character side going forward in Mando. And that could still happen. But I'm confused, I got to say, because at the Disney Investor Day that Austin and I kind of talked a little bit about last week, they announced that Mando season three was coming in December 2021. And if that's the case, how can this also be doing that? That just would be so weird if they're just like alternating weeks. And the only thing I thought about is it possible, is it possible that The Mandalorian Season 3 is the book of Boba Fett? I hope not. Me neither. But I'm nervous because, like, they haven't given us any info about this. Like, they're both coming the same month, potentially. <laughs> like, they, that can't be right. Or what if they somehow, it's like a connected season where somehow, like, events of one episode of, of The Mandalorian Season 3 plays into the book of Boba Fett. Like, maybe they premiere on different days or something. I don't want to see that. I, w I wonder if maybe they just said this was coming in December, Mando season three was, just so they could preserve this reveal the following week that we were going to get another spinoff show. So maybe like this will also, maybe Mando will come out like in October again or something. And then once that ends, it'll go right into Book of Boba Fett. So we'll see. Because the only thing I was wondering was like, the usage of the word the book of was like, oh, you know what I mean? It's like the book of Din Djarin's done, so now it's Boba Fett. So that was like, I was like, is that what they're doing? And I, I have no idea. I haven't seen anything online to say otherwise. People are just as confused as they haven't confirmed or denied it yet. So we'll see. But there's so many storylines to wrap up. I, it, that can't be the case. We got to be getting Armando back for season three, I would think. And this is its own thing. Uh, I mean, as far as the after credit scenes goes, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I thought they did a really good job bringing back Jabba's Palace. And that was crazy how he just 
kills Bib Fortuna, who, who we know from Return of the Jedi. This was definitely written for people like Keith, for sure, who just have that <laughs> affinity for the originals, all that nostalgia. Like, yeah, I'm happy yeah. for Keith that he got to have this moment, and especially having Boba Fett all season two, I'm sure it was cool. So I think it's cool that it's in here, for sure. I like the part when he just he sits on the throne. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was badass. That was pretty cool. And what is he going to do with the throne? Because it seems like that wasn't what he was interested in. But obviously, he's returning to Tatooine, where he's clearly been relatively comfortable for the last few years since Return of the Jedi. And where Star Wars has been relatively comfortable for the last <laughs> for, few years. Forever, for 40 years. Um, yeah, what is he doing? Is he going to just be the gangster like Jabba was and people come to him and he just runs it? Or is he going to try and change things like for the better? I've, I don't know. That's what I was going to say. What if he starts his own bounty hunting? brokerage (laughs) kind of what it seems like yeah yeah could be okay guys well we do need to get out of here today no but as anybody that listens to our main episodes may know we do have some awards (gasps) to give out fine this is the arnie's podcast awards if anyone's new this week this is a segment where we give an award for anything in this episode and i guess for the purpose of today it'll be anything for the mandalorian season two i'll go ahead and start us off today i'm gonna give the Secret Raver Award to the Dark Troopers. They've got their dubstep theme song. They've got their red glowing eyes. <laughs> nice. Maybe when the beat drops, they start flashing. So that's my award. The Secret Raver is the Dark Trooper. I'll give the my favorite cameo of this season goes to, y'all might not agree with this, but it goes to the Slave One ship. Only in darkness. Oh, yeah. Only in darkness, according to Austin. That's a good one. That's a good <laughs> no, one. you changed it now, though. You like the sunlight. <laughs> yeah, you liar. You mud scrapper. Dang, Farrick. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Matt, close us out today. What do you got for us? All right. My award is one that I've been waiting to give ever since I watched The Last Jedi in theaters. And finally, I have a place I can give it. This episode, and nay, I would just say the season overall, it deserves the missed opportunity for milk award. They show us Fennec sitting over there on Boba's throne, sipping on that blue drink. It should have been green milk. We should have done a close-up of her face. She should have sucked it right out of an udder of an of a some weird monster, and she should have licked her lips just like <laughs> Luke Skywalker did, who cameoed in this very episode in The Last Jedi. He showed us how to drink blue-green milk, and Fennec should have done it in this episode. There's even an opportunity for him to hand Fennec some milk on that ship. I know. He could have brought everybody some milk, just a whole sack <laughs> that he squeezed out of the udder earlier in the day. That would have been really a nice He gesture. could have even like fought with it. He could have sprayed it in somebody's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, he could have. He should have. What if, what if it would have just showed Luke hopping out of the X-Wing, just drinking the milk, <laughs> like slurping all over the place? He just, like, pulls <laughs> that was his reveal. His, he pulls off his hood, and his face is just covered. He's like... Oh, just wipes his mouth. Some like a uh, like slow motion, like Top Gun scene, climbing out of the fighter jet, tossing back his hood and just guggling down the milk, <laughs> like a beer can or something. Yeah. What a missed milk opportunity. All right, guys. Normally we would close it out after the awards, but since this is the finale of season two, we figured why not bring back our Star Wars rankings? Let's rank the Mandalorian show in the context of the franchise. Matt, you've always got some good rankings. Go ahead and give us your official Star Wars rankings. All right, here we go. So we got 13 on the list, all of our movies, and two seasons of The Mandalorian. Here we go. So at 13, hasn't changed. I got Attack of the Clones. 12, as we know, I was very down on the rise of Skywalker. It has to go there. 11, 
Is it the worst movie out of all of these? It definitely not, but it just didn't hold up and was boring. So I got to put Return of the Jedi at 11. Number 10, better than I give it credit for, but The Phantom Menace still has too many problems to go higher than that. Number nine is The Mandalorian Season 1, an amazing pilot and an amazing finale, everything else in between. High moments, but overall, not enough payoff for me. Number eight, A New Hope. Number seven, I guess A New Hope Part 2, aka The Force Awakens. Number six, Revenge of the Sith. Number five, Rogue One. Number four, The Dark Horse, baby. <laughs> it's Solo. <laughs> Number three, I'm not going to think so. Number three, The Mandalorian Season 2. I loved it. It was great. I had a blast. Um, Number two, The Empire Strikes Back. And number one, The Last Jedi. I'll go ahead and go next. And I'm going to rank these films. And I think I just have to kind of do this in Star Wars in general. What do I have the most fun watching? So I'll start us off from the top. Oh. Number one, Rogue One. Never going to change. Rogue One is the best Star Wars film. Okay. Number two, The Last Jedi. <gasps> Number three, The Mandalorian Season 2. Nice. Nice. Then Empire Strikes Back. Then Revenge of the Sith. Then The Mandalorian Season 1. Mm-hmm. The Force Awakens. Solo, A Star Wars Story. The Phantom Menace. Attack of the Clones. Rise of Skywalker. A New Hope. And finally, Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Austin's list is always really good for me at the top. And then it gets to the bottom. It's like, whoa, I love it. I love it. A controversy at its finest. It's great. But I will say, though, we got it before Keith goes. Even though Austin and I have different, we have Last Jedi in our top twos, but Mandalorian season two both fell at number three. So I'm curious where it will land for Keith in the grand scheme of Star Wars. Well, yeah, it's funny. We- laughing about Return of the Jedi because I was talking to my sister today about Mandalorian and all that and we were talking about all the Star Wars movies and I was like I asked her which one which Star Wars movie is your favorite she's like I like the one with the Ewoks hell yeah I just laughed my ass off hell like, yeah that's that's Austin's least favorite <laughs> that's um, just because she thinks the Ewoks are cute though yeah I'll uh I'll start at the top with mine too so Empire Strikes Back number one of course number two Revenge of the Sith number three like Matthew, is The Mandalorian Season 2. Oh, we're all at number three. Whoa, wait. That means that means The Mandalorian Season 2 beat out one of the originals for Keith in the top three. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. Whoa. I will say I almost put it above Empire. Admittedly, I didn't just for nostalgia and like, I think it's a great movie, but Mandalorian was so great throughout. That might change. I might go at number two. We'll see. Anyway, Keith, continue. Yeah, so after Season 2 of Mandalorian, I got Rogue One. Then I will have The Mandalorian Season 1, New Hope, then Phantom Menace, then Solo, then Last Jedi, Force Awakens, Turn of the Jedi, then Rise of Skywalker, then Attack of the Clones. Keith is lowest on uh, Last Jedi. And Solo, guys. Where was Solo? I thought we all loved it. <laughs> Solo is above Last Jedi. You're the only one that likes Solo. Oh, just come to terms with that. Oh, man. I like Solo. I just don't like it as much as Matt, but I do like My it. favorite review we've ever done might be Solo because, like, Keith was actually backing me up on most of my points. I was like, oh, oh I feel like I have a new friend when it comes to Solo. And Keith and I saw Solo together originally, and, like, we were like, this is so much better than we thought. And then Keith is like, at number 11, Solo. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> no, it's it's at six for me. Or no, now it's at uh Alright, alright. Well I'm sure I'm sure Matt would love to talk about solo all day. Let's talk every about solo day. again. 
let's not do it. We're going to close it out today. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow this show. We will be back on Tuesday for the final bracket of 2020. It is time to decide once and for all what the best holiday movie is. So excited. Been watching these movies all month. It's been a blast. We're finally going to decide which is best. It's going to be heated, and I can't wait. And since this is the finale of something Star Wars related, if any of you out there need more of a Star Wars fix based on the rankings we just did, we reviewed every single Star Wars movie. Um, So go check that out wherever you get your podcast, obviously. Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. We had a blast doing that. We also just put out an episode reviewing Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie. Very mind-bending. It left us a bit confused. We had a fun time breaking it down. And yeah, only a few more episodes before the end of the year. So we're going to be talking Wonder Woman 1984 when that comes out, doing the holiday bracket like Austin mentioned. And we have our special awards, the Arn Academy Awards coming at the very end of the year to kind of just talk about the year as a whole. So it's going to be fun. And in the spirit that we're reviewing, you know, every episode of a show, a new show as it comes out, we are going to be talking about WandaVision in January. So that's going to be our next show breakdown. It's going to be a blast. Be on the lookout for the Wanda's Talk and the Visions coming to you soon. I like that title. I can't wait to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I like it as well. Uh, Yeah. And check us out on Instagram. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and future episodes coming up. Did we uh, review season two accurately of Mandalorian? Uh, Give us your predictions of season three. And also give us your predictions of who you think is going to win the best holiday movie bracket. Ooh, good call. Good call. All righty. That's going to do it for us, everybody. We'll see you soon. See you. This is the way. Thanks, Beck. <laughs>